Section 9 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 1, The Old Pagan Civilizations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Beacon Lights of History, Volume 1, The Old Pagan Civilizations, by John Lord. Ancient Philosophy, Part 1. Seeking After Truth. Whatever may be said of the inferiority of the ancients to the moderns in natural and mechanical science, which no one is disposed to question, or even in the realm of literature, which may be questioned, there was one department of knowledge to which we have added nothing of consequence. In the realm of art they were our equals, and probably our superiors. In philosophy they carried logical deduction to its utmost limit. They advanced from a few crude speculations on material phenomena to an analysis of all the powers of the mind, and finally to the establishment of ethical principles which even Christianity did not supersede. The progress of philosophy, from Thales to Plato, is the most stupendous triumph of the human intellect. The reason of man soared to the loftiest flights that it has ever attained. It cast its searching eye into the most abstruse inquiries which ever tasked the famous minds of the world. It exhausted all the subjects which dialectical subtlety ever raised. It originated and carried out the boldest speculations respecting the nature of the soul and its future existence. It established important psychological truths and created a method for the solution of abstruse questions. It went on from point to point until all the faculties of the mind were severely analyzed and all its operations were subjected to a rigid method. The Romans never added a single principle to the philosophy which the Greeks elaborated. The ingenious scholastics of the Middle Ages merely reproduced Greek ideas. And even the profound and patient Germans have gone round in the same circles that Plato and Aristotle marked out more than 2,000 years ago. Only the Brahmins of India have equaled them in intellectual subtlety and acumen. It was Greek philosophy in which noble Roman youths were educated, and hence, as it was expounded by a Cicero, a Marcus Aurelius, and an Epictetus, it was as much the inheritance of the Romans as it was of the Greeks themselves, after Grecian liberties were swept away and Greek cities became a part of the Roman Empire. The Romans learned what the Greeks created and taught, and philosophy, as well as art, became identified with the civilization which extended from the Rhine and the Po to the Nile and the Tigris. Greek philosophy was one of the distinctive features of ancient civilization long after the Greeks had ceased to speculate on the laws of mind or the nature of the soul, on the existence of God or future rewards and punishments. Although it was purely Grecian in its origin and development, it became one of the grand ornaments of the Roman schools. The Romans did not originate medicine, but Galen was one of its greatest lights. They did not invent the hexameter verse, but Virgil sang to its measure. They did not create Ionic capitals, but their cities were ornamented with marble temples on the same principles as those which called out the admirations of Pericles. So if they did not originate philosophy, and generally had but little taste for it, still its truths were systematized and explained by Cicero, and formed no small accession to the treasures with which cultivated intellects sought everywhere to be enriched. It formed an essential part of the intellectual wealth of the civilized world, when civilization could not prevent the world from falling into decay and ruin. And as it was the noblest triumph which the human mind, under pagan influences, ever achieved, 
so it was followed by the most degrading imbecility into which man in civilized countries was ever allowed to fall philosophy like art like literature like science arose shone grew dim and passed away leaving the world in night why was so bright a glory followed by so dismal a shame what a comment is this on the greatness and littleness of man in all probability the development of greek philosophy originated with the ionian sophoi though many suppose it was derived from the east it is questionable whether the oriental nations had any philosophy distinct from religion the germans are fond of tracing resemblances in the early speculations of the greeks to the systems which prevailed in asia from a very remote antiquity gladish sees in the pythagorean system an adoption of chinese doctrines in the heraclitic system the influence of persia in the empedoclean egyptian speculations and in the anaxagorean the jewish creeds but the orientals had theogenies not philosophies the indian speculations aim at an exposition of ancient revelation they profess to liberate the soul from the evils of mortal life and to arrive at eternal beatitudes but the state of perfectibility could be reached only by religious ceremonial observances and devout contemplation the indian systems do not disdain logical discussions or search after the principles of which the universe is composed and hence we find great refinements in sophistry and a wonderful subtlety of logical discussion though these are directed to unattainable ends to the connection of good with evil and the union of the supreme with nature nothing seemed to come out of these speculations but an occasional elevation of mind among the learned and a profound conviction of the misery of man and the obstacles to his perfection the greeks starting from physical phenomena went on in successive series of inquiries elevating themselves above matter above experience even to the loftiest abstractions until they classified the laws of thought it is curious how speculation led to demonstration and how inquiries into the world of matter prepared the way for the solution of intellectual phenomena philosophy kept pace with geometry and those who observed nature also gloried in abstruse calculations philosophy and mathematics seem to have been allied with the worship of art among the same men and it is difficult to say which more distinguished them aesthetic culture or power of abstruse reasoning we do not read of any remarkable philosophical inquirer until thales arose the first of the ionian school he was born at miletus a greek colony in asia minor about the year 636 bc when ancus martius was king of rome and josiah reigned at jerusalem he has left no writings behind him but was numbered as one of the seven wise men of greece on account of his political sagacity and wisdom in public affairs I do not here speak of his astronomical and geometrical labors which were great and which have left their mark even upon our own daily life as for instance in the fact that he was the first to have divided the year into three hundred and sixty-five days Quote, and he tis said did first compute the stars which beam in charles's wane and guide the bark of the phoenician sailor o'er the sea End quote. he is celebrated also for practical wisdom know thyself is one of his remarkable sayings the chief claim of thales to a lofty rank among sages however is that he was the first who attempted a logical solution of material phenomena without resorting to mythical representations thales felt that there was a grand question to be answered relative to the beginning of things philosophy it has been well said 
may be a history of errors but not of follies it was not a folly in a rude age to speculate on the first or fundamental principle of things thales looked around him upon nature upon the sea and earth and sky and concluded that water or moisture was the vital principle he felt it in the air he saw it in the clouds above and in the ground beneath his feet he saw that plants were sustained by rain and by the dew that neither animal nor man could live without water and that to fishes it was the native element what more important or vital than water it was the prima materia the greek aarche the beginning of all things the origin of the world how so crude a speculation could have been maintained by so wise a man it is difficult to conjecture it is not however the cause which he assigns for the beginning of things which is so noteworthy so much as the fact that his mind was directed to any solution of questions pertaining to the origin of the universe it was these questions and the solution of them which marked the ionian philosophers and which showed the inquiring nature of their minds what is the great first cause of all things thales saw it in one of the four elements of nature as the ancients divided them and this is the earliest recorded theory among the greeks of the origin of the world it is an induction from one of the phenomena of animated nature the nutrition and production of a seed he regarded the entire world in the light of a living being gradually maturing and forming itself from an imperfect seed state which was of a moist nature this moisture endues the universe with vitality the world he thought was full of gods but they had their origin in water he had no conception of god as intelligence or as creative power he had a great and inquiring mind but it gave him no knowledge of a spiritual controlling and personal deity anaximenes the disciple of thales pursued his master's inquiries and adopted his method he also was born in miletus but at what time is unknown probably 500 bc like thales he held to the eternity of matter like him he disbelieved in the existence of anything immaterial for even a human soul is formed out of matter he too speculated on the origin of the universe but thought air not water was the primal cause this element seems to be universal we breathe it all things are sustained by it it is life that is pregnant with vital energy and capable of infinite transmutations all things are produced by it all is again resolved into it it supports all things it surrounds the world it has infinitude it has eternal motion thus did the philosopher reason comparing the world with our own living existence which he took to be air an imperishable principle of life he thus advanced a step beyond thales since he regarded the world not after the analogy of an imperfect seed state but after that of the highest condition of life the human soul and he attempted to refer to one general law all the transformations of the first simple substance into its successive states and that the cause of change is the eternal motion of the air diogenes of apollonia in crete one of the disciples of anaximenes born five hundred b c also believed that air was the principle of the universe but he imputed it to an intellectual energy yet without recognizing any distinction between mind and matter he made air and the soul identical for says he man and all other animals breathe and live by means of the air and therein consists their soul and as it is the primary being from which all is derived it is necessarily an eternal and imperishable body but as soul it is also endued with consciousness diogenes thus refers the origin of the world to an intelligent being to a soul which knows and vivifies anaximenes 
regarded air as having life diogenes saw in it also intelligence thus philosophy advanced step by step though still groping in the dark for the origin of all things according to diogenes must exist in intelligence according to diogenes laertius he said it appears to me that he who begins any treatise ought to lay down principles about which there can be no dispute Heraclitus of Ephesus, classed by Ritter among the Ionian philosophers, was born 503 B.C. Like others of his school, he sought a physical ground for all phenomena. The elemental principle he regarded as fire, since all things are convertible into it. In one of his modifications, this fire, or fluid, self-kindled, permeating everything as the soul or principle of life, is endowed with intelligence and powers of ceaseless activity. If Anaximenes, says Maurice, not very clearly, discovered that he had within him a power and principle which ruled over all the acts and functions of his bodily frame, Heraclitus found that there was life within him which he could not call his own, and yet it was, in the very highest sense, himself, so that without it he would have been a poor, helpless, isolated creature, a universal life which connected him with his fellow men, with the absolute source and original fountain of life. He proclaimed the absolute vitality of nature, the endless change of matter, the mutability and perishability of all individual things in contrast with the internal being, the supreme harmony which rules over all. To trace the divine energy of life in all things was the general problem of the philosophy of Heraclitus, and this spirit was akin to the pantheism of the East. But he was one of the greatest speculative intellects that preceded plato and of all the physical theorists arrived nearest to spiritual truth he taught the germs of what was afterward more completely developed from his theory of perpetual fluxion says archer butler plato derived the necessity of seeking a stable basis for the universal system in his world of ideas heraclitus was however an obscure writer and moreover cynical and arrogant anaxagoras the most famous of the Ionian philosophers was born 500 B.C. and belonged to a rich and noble family. Regarding philosophy as the noblest pursuit of earth, he abandoned his inheritance for the study of nature. He went to Athens in the most brilliant period of her history, and had Pericles, Euripides, and Socrates for pupils. He taught that the great moving force of nature was intellect, Greek, nous. Intelligence was the cause of the world and of order, and mind was the principle of motion. Yet this intelligence was not a moral intelligence, but simply the primum mobile, the all-knowing motive force by which the order of nature is affected. He thus laid the foundation of a new system under which the Attic philosophers sought to explain nature by regarding as the cause of all things, not matter in its different elements, but rather mind, thought, intelligence, which both knows and acts, a grand conception unrivaled in ancient speculation this explanation of material phenomena by intellectual causes was the peculiar merit of anaxagoras and places him in a very high rank among the thinkers of the world moreover he recognized the reason as the only faculty by which we become cognizant of truth the senses being too weak to discover the real component particles of things like all the great inquirers he was impressed with the limited degree of positive knowledge compared with what there is to be learned nothing says he can be known nothing is certain sense is limited intellect is weak life is short the complaint not of a skeptic but of a man overwhelmed with a sense of his incapacity to solve the problems which arose before his active mind 
anaxagoras thought that this spirit greek naus gave to all those material atoms which in the beginning of the world lay in disorder the impulse by which they took the forms of individual things and that this impulse was given in a circular direction hence that the sun moon and stars and even the air are constantly moving in a circle in the meantime another sect of philosophers had risen who like the ionians sought to explain nature but by a different method anaximander born 610 bc was one of the original mathematicians of greece yet like pythagoras and thales speculated on the beginning of things his principle was that the infinite is the origin of all things he used the word arche beginning to denote the material out of which all things were formed as the everlasting the divine the idea of elevating an abstraction into a great first cause was certainly a long stride in philosophic generalization to be taken at that age of the world following as it did so immediately upon such partial and childish ideas as that any single one of the familiar elements could be the primal cause of all things it seems almost like the speculations of our own time when philosophers seek to find the first cause in impersonal force or infinite energy yet it is not really easy to understand anaximander's meaning other than that the abstract has a higher significance than the concrete the speculations of thales had tended toward discovering the material constitution of the universe upon an induction from observed facts and thus made water to be the origin of all things anaximander accustomed to view things in the abstract could not accept so concrete a thing as water his speculations tended toward mathematics to the science of pure deduction the primary being is a unity one in all comprising within itself the multiplicity of elements from which all mundane things are composed it is only in infinity that the perpetual changes of things can take place thus anaximander an original but vague thinker prepared the way for pythagoras this later philosopher and mathematician born about the year 600 bc stands as one of the great names of antiquity but his life is shrouded in dim magnificence the old historians paint him as clothed in robes of white his head covered with gold his aspect grave and majestic wrapped in the contemplation of the mysteries of existence listening to the music of homer and hesiod or to the harmony of the spheres pythagoras was supposed to be a native of samos when quite young being devoted to learning he quitted his country and went to egypt where he learned its language and all the secret mysteries of the priests he then returned to samos but finding the island under the dominion of a tyrant he fled to crotona in italy where he gained great reputation for wisdom and made laws for the italians his pupils were about three hundred in number he wrote three books which were extant in the time of diogenes laertius one on education one on politics and one on natural philosophy he also wrote an epic poem on the universe to which he gave the name of cosmos among the ethical principles which pythagoras taught was that men ought not to pray for anything in particular since they do not know what is good for them that drunkenness was identical with ruin that no one should exceed the proper quantity of meat and drink that the property of friends is common that men should never say or do anything in anger he forbade his disciples to offer victims to the gods ordering them to worship only at those altars which were unstained with blood pythagoras was the first person to introduce measures and weights among the greeks but it is his philosophy which chiefly claims our attention his main principle was that number is the essence of things probably meaning by number order and harmony and conformity to law 
the order of the universe he taught is only a harmonical development of the first principle of all things to virtue and wisdom he attached much value to music as an art which has great influence on the affections hence his doctrine of the music of the spheres assuming that number is the essence of the world he deduced the idea that the world is regulated by numerical proportions or by a system of laws which are regular and harmonious in their operations hence the necessity for an intelligent creator of the universe the infinite of anaximander became the one of pythagoras he believed that the soul is incorporeal and is put into the body subject to numerical and harmonical relation and thus to divine regulation hence the tendency of his speculations was to raise the soul to the contemplation of law and order of a supreme intelligence reigning in justice and truth justice and truth became thus paramount virtues to be practiced and sought as the end of life it is impossible not to see in these lofty speculations the effect of the greek mind according to its own genius seeking after god if haply it might find him we now approach the second stage of greek philosophy the iconic philosophers had sought to find the first principle of all things in the elements and the pythagoreans in number or harmony in law implying an intelligent creator the Eleatics, who now arose went beyond the realm of physics to pure metaphysical inquiries to an idealistic pantheism which disregarded the sensible maintaining that the source of truth is independent of the senses here they were forestalled by the hindu sages the founder of this school was xenophanes born in colophon an ionian city of asia minor from which being expelled he wandered over sicily as a rhapsodist or minstrel reciting his elegiac poetry on the loftiest truths and at last about the year 536 bc came to elia where he settled the principal subject of his inquiries was deity itself the great first cause the supreme intelligence of the universe from the principle ex nihilo nihil fit he concluded that nothing could pass from non-existence to existence all things that exist are created by supreme intelligence who is eternal and immutable from this truth that god must be from all eternity he advances to deny all multiplicity a plurality of gods is impossible with these sublime views the unity and eternity and omnipotence of god xenophanes boldly attacked the popular errors of his day he denounced the transference to the deity of the human form he inveighed against homer and hesiod he ridiculed the doctrine of migration of souls thus he sings such things of the gods are related by homer and hesiod as would be shame and abiding disgrace to mankind promises broken and thefts and the one deceiving the other and again respecting anthropomorphic representations of the deity but men foolishly think that gods are born like as men are and have to a dress like their own and their voice and their figure but there's but one god alone the greatest of gods and of mortals neither in body to mankind resembling neither in ideas such were the sublime meditations of xenophanes he believed in the one which is god but this all-pervading unmoved undivided being was not a personal god nor a moral governor but a deity pervading all space he could not separate god from the world nor could he admit the existence of a world which is not god he was a monotheist but his monotheism was pantheism he saw god in all the manifestations of nature this did not satisfy him nor resolve his doubts and he therefore confessed that reason could not compass the exalted aims of philosophy 
but there was no cynicism in his doubt it was the soul-sickening consciousness that reason was incapable of solving the mighty questions that he burned to know there was no way to arrive at the truth for said he error is spread over all things it was not disdain of knowledge it was the combat of contradictory opinions that oppressed him he could not solve the questions pertaining to god what uninstructed reason can canst thou by searching find out god canst thou know the almighty unto perfection what was impossible to job was not possible to xenophanes but he had attained a recognition of the unity and perfections of god and this conviction he would spread abroad and tear down the superstitions which hid the face of truth i have great admiration for this philosopher so sad so earnest so enthusiastic wandering from city to city indifferent to money comfort friends fame that he might kindle the knowledge of god this was a lofty aim indeed for philosophy in that age it was a higher mission than that of homer great as his was though not so successful parmenides of elia born about the year 530 bc followed out the system of xenophanes the central idea of which was the existence of god with parmenides the main thought was the notion of being being is uncreated and unchangeable the fullness of all being is thought the all is thought and intelligence he maintained the uncertainty of knowledge meaning the knowledge derived through the senses he did not deny the certainty of reason he was the first who drew a distinction between knowledge obtained by the senses and that obtained through reason and thus he anticipated the doctrine of innate ideas from the uncertainty of knowledge derived through the senses he deduced the twofold system of true and apparent knowledge zeno of elia the friend and pupil of parmenides born 500 bc brought nothing new to the system but invented dialectics the art of disputation that department of logic which afterward became so powerful in the hands of plato and aristotle and so generally admired among the schoolmen it seeks to establish truth by refuting error through reductio ad absurdum while parmenides sought to establish the doctrine of the one zeno proved the non-existence of the many he did not deny existences but denied that appearances were real existences it was the mission of zeno to establish the doctrines of his master but in order to convince his listeners he was obliged to use a new method of argument so he carried on his argumentation by question and answer and was therefore the first to use dialogue which he called dialectics as a medium of philosophical communication empedocles born 444 bc like others of the eleatics complained of the imperfection of the senses and looked for truth only in reason he regarded truth as a perfect unity ruled by love the only true force the one moving cause of all things the first creative power by which or whom the world was formed thus god is love is a sublime doctrine which philosophy revealed to the greeks and the emphatic and continuous and assured declaration of which was the central theme of the revelation made by jesus the christ who resolved all the law and the gospel into the element of love fatherly on the part of god filial and fraternal on the part of men thus did the eleatic philosophers speculate almost contemporaneously with the ionians on the beginning of things and the origin of knowledge taking different grounds and attempting to correct the representations of sense by the notions of reason but both schools although they did not establish many truths raised an inquisitive spirit and awakened freedom of thought and inquiry 
they raised up workmen for more enlightened times even as scholastic inquirers in the middle ages prepared the way for the revival of philosophy on sounder principles they were all men of a remarkable elevation of character as well as genius they hated superstitions and attacked the anthropomorphism of their day they handled gods and goddesses with allegorizing boldness and hence were often persecuted by the people they did not establish moral truths by scientific processes but they set examples of lofty disdain of wealth and factitious advantages and devoted themselves with holy enthusiasm to the solution of the great questions which pertain to god and nature thales won the respect of his countrymen by devotion to studies pythagoras spent twenty-two years in egypt to learn its science xenophanes wandered over sicily as a rhapsodist of truth parmenides born to wealth and splendor forsook the feverish pursuit of sensual enjoyments that he might behold the bright countenance of truth in the quiet and still air of delightful studies zeno declined all worldly honors in order that he might diffuse the doctrines of his master heraclitus refused the chief magistracy of ephesus that he might have leisure to explore the depths of his own nature anaxagoras allowed his patrimony to run to waste in order to solve problems to philosophy said he i owe my worldly ruin and my soul's prosperity all these men were without exception the greatest and best men of their times they laid the foundation of the beautiful temple which was constructed after they were dead in which both physics and psychology reached the dignity of science they too were prophets although unconscious of their divine mission prophets of that day when the science which explores and illustrates the works of god shall enlarge enrich and beautify man's conceptions of the great creative father end of section nine